0: Ninja That I have no clue for
1: I baby. Talk me yeah. into Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other and maybe even you into liking what we like. This month, it's all Ninja Turtles, and this episode, it's The Last Ronin. My name is Jeff, and I am officially caught up on the IDW TMNT run.
0: Whoa, my name is Dan, and I I recently ate turtle soup for the first time.
1: <laughs> wow, the first, where was that? Narlands?
0: Yeah, New Orleans.
1: That sounds like a New Orleans thing to do. Like, you're in a swamp. What else are you going to
0: do? Eat alligator? Why not, dude? Yes, you are. I did eat alligator. I ate turtle. I ate frogs. It's it's great stuff. I was going to
1: say, you just had frog legs last night. Where are you buying
0: frog legs in Connecticut? Funny story, I bought them at my regular grocery store in uh, Oxford, Connecticut, a small town. I said, why do you have frog legs? I've never seen frog legs at a grocery (laughs) store. And I'm friendly with the fishmonger because that's the kind of guy I am. Uh, Oh, it was in the
1: fish department, huh?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm like, why do you have frog legs? And she's like, honestly, it was a mistake. I wrote the wrong number on the order form, but it turned out to be a happy (laughs) mistake because she's like, I bought like 10 pounds of them and I'm already sold out. And they were just delivered like two days ago. That's great. Yeah, I would totally
1: buy frog legs. I've never made frog legs. I've had them a dozen times. They're delicious.
0: Yeah. So uh, short tangent, um, they were very good. They were very easy to cook and I liked them. But I was kind of not happy because they did not have a sign up in front of them yet. I just recognized that they were frog legs. And I asked her, like, hey, how much are the frog legs? And she was like 6 99 a pound. And I was like, dope, I'll take two pounds. And then I got to the register and they scanned it and they were nine ninety nine a pound. Oh no, she swindled you for six entire dollars. She probably didn't didn't even realize, but she probably had no clue for. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I, I saw your pictures and I'm like, man, he's sharing that with his family. He's only eating two
0: wings right or two legs right now. That was just the first That's... first round, Jeff. <laughs> first... I went back in hard. You had a bang bang, a frog leg bang bang? No, I just I, I don't like to crowd my plate. I'd rather like go back for more, you know? You do it for the gram, I understand. Actually, my father dished that out on my plate, though, so it wasn't like I wanted to plate it up nice, like grits on the bottom, then some corn mock shoe and the frog legs nice and propped up.
1: I'm Dan. I make grits and corn <laughs> mock shoe and froggy legs.
0: Yeah. Just a regular Tuesday <laughs> night dinner. Yeah. So, Jeff, what I'm... Did I have for dinner last night. Hold on.
1: I had I had a salad. I've been doing salads these this last really? few weeks.
0: Protein yeah. Protein because... salad.
1: Oh yeah, I had leftover ham. That's that's what I'm talking hum. about. I had some leftover hum. Easter ham, so I I just been keeping salad ingredients. And dude, it's it's so filling and just like so easy. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, but you just change it up. I went through that whole jar of Harvard beets I talked about on the show before.
0: Jeff, I've been trying in, like, to buy Harvard salads. beets. I've checked two stores. I haven't found them yet. I just got them at Stop and Shop, which dude. is a, a regular. Next a time regular you see him, ass. pick me up a can.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I got to get more. Um but yeah what what were you about to say it was probably um in reaction to your <gasps> to my fun fact.
0: Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised. Last time we talked you were like methodically working your way through the IDW series but you had a ways to go.
1: Yeah, so I had I had caught up on uh the library app Hoopla. I read from like issue 60 something to like 112, which is what they had at the time. And I have all the single issues and I read, I don't know, like four issues or so a couple weeks ago. My wife and the baby were out of town, and I was like, I'm going to catch up, and I didn't. Um, but then I got issue 127, which is the you know the first appearance of Venus to Milo. It's not a spoiler. It's all over everything, Dan. I'm sorry if you're not in the turtle zeitgeist. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I was like, I want to catch up, and the free comic book day issue is coming out, and I want to really read that, and like, I, I want to know what's going on. So uh, two nights ago, I just just down the last like 10 issues I had. And they're pretty quick reads. I was even telling my wife, I was like, these are like your wife. No, <laughs> <laughs> First time like I've ever done it. it.
0: It's wow. It's creepy,
1: right? <laughs> J- Jimmy's not here. And you're like, yeah, your but um, yeah, Sophie Campbell. I like the stories that she does, but the writing isn't like the tits. It's kind of just, okay. Oh, um, so a lot of it is is just kind of simple uh, reading. And as I said that, I picked up the next issue. It was like one twenty four, and it was a silent issue, and I didn't know that, so it was done in like thirty seconds. And I am like, <laughs> huh. And and that one, the art wasn't very spectacular, but yeah, no, I, I do like where the series is right now. It's it's different than what we've had before with the turtles. Some of it's kind of cringy. Um, it, it's a bit slow. But I like that it's not like a retread or just the same old shit over and over again. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm de- and I'm definitely excited for like um Armageddon game and post free comic book day issues to see what's going on with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- as we've spoken about before on the podcast, I do these big chunks of rereads or catch ups or whatever. And right now, um, I'm in Star Wars. I had to take a little break because I was falling behind on my like current issues. But yeah, I caught up with my current issues, so I'm getting back into Star Wars. Once I finish that, Turtles is next on my list. But I'm starting yeah. all the way back to one just because I want to just read them all through. I'll I'll do that
1: eventually because I mean like I so I'm caught up on on the main series. There's still like about three years worth of miniseries I got to oh, catch up on. I that's the catch. I just yeah yeah no I'm I'm. I mean, it kind of sucks because when you read the main series, you know what happens. Like, um, my comic shop didn't give me the macro series issues when those came out, Um, so I just bought them on eBay. I kind of already know what happens in those. And then some of the stuff like the Bebop and Rocksteady minis, like, that'll be fun. I own them. The Dimension X ones, I just haven't read them. Mm -hmm. Um, What else do I have to read? Oh, and I have to finish um, TMNT universe. I read about half of those. There's 25 issues total, but, but I'm, I, I, I'm caught up in continuity. Like a new issue comes out and I can just read it Yeah, and I'm not going to be confused. Does it feel uh, like a weight's
0: been lifted off your shoulders?
1: It really does. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, uh, and also like I've been rereading saga. So now I'm going to get back into that, but also I'm going back and like, I'm going to read, um, urban legends, which is the IDW's re-release of the um, image series and color. I got that at the library. So there's still a lot more reading to be did.
0: I like it. So, I Jeff, like that. We, you briefly yeah. mentioned that Jimmy's not joining us today. Long story short, Jimmy's a busy boy. He's got a real life, he's got a romantic partner. And uh, this was supposed to be just me and you getting together to shoot the breeze about the last Ronin. And uh, we were like, we got a lot to say. So maybe this should just be a whole episode.
1: Yeah, we, we were fitting it in the schedule. And like, it was very hard to plan this episode because when we were planning our Turtles month, the Last Ronin got pushed out three times in April, so we didn't know when right. it was coming out or if it was coming out. And we'll get into that in a little
0: bit. Let's we're do talk a more Last about... Ronin episode in 2026 when they released the <laughs> final issue. Oh man, I got a lot to say. I I put
1: aside a half hour of my time tonight, but it might be longer than that. I
0: don't know. Um, <laughs> we're gonna find out. Wow. Yeah.
1: Let's uh let's,
0: let's take a little break out. and then talk let's about what we've been break. talking ourselves into.
1: Wow, let's do that.
0: Yo, 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 it's your boys. No,
1: I hate, I hate <laughs> it. I hate it. That's my impression I like. of
0: my own father trying to sound cool. Um,
1: <laughs> it's It's a good impression. It's not cool, but it's a good impression.
0: Yeah, so this is the part of the episode where we take a minute to tell you and each other something that we've been into lately, like the last week or so. It's not a huge thing enough for a whole episode or a mini series, but just something fun to catch up with friends. So, Jeff, this past Dan. week, as I mentioned, I've been—I figured I'd throw this one in here because we're talking all things comic books. Uh, as I mentioned, I've been getting caught up on current issues, and something that I bought—it um, was released a few weeks ago now. Um, I took a stab at it. I haven't read any Flash comic books in a long time, but I used to be a pretty big fan. You were a big flash boy. Yeah. And um, so I don't know what's going on in current continuity, but I took a stab at a miniseries that was released on DC's Black Label, which is outside of continuity. Like they're just one-offs basically.
1: Just stories that you can tell with that are fun.
0: Exactly. And they also are like 17 plus. So characters swear in them, which is fun. No, it's kind of like The Last Ronin. Mm. So what I'm talking about is a book called Rogues. Um, this is by, um, Josh is known. Flash
1: is known for having a great rogues gallery.
0: Yeah. And this one focuses on the rogues. Um, I like the rogues because they're villains with a code. They're like, we don't kill kids. We don't like kill innocent people. We just like do crimes and stuff. Um, this is written by Joshua Williamson and drawn by Leo max. Don't know who that is, but, um, I think it's going to be fairly short. I want to say it's three issues. These are those maxi, like magazine size. They're like the kind Last of Ronin. Like the
1: Last Ronin. Yeah,
0: but they're actually even like wider frame. They're like, um, I don't know, like a yeah, book size. They're,
1: prob- they're probably magazine size because yeah. Last Ronin is like the original Ninja Turtle size, which is a dumb size that doesn't
0: exist in any other comics. Yeah. So basically, um, this miniseries takes place 10 years after the Rogues disbanded. We don't really know why they disbanded, but. Some of them are dead. Some of them are in jail. Um, The main character, like, who the audience sees everything through is Leonard Snart, uh, who plays, you know, Captain Cold. Um, And he's basically an old man with a regular day job, and the world is beating him down. He lives a shitty life, and he decides to put the gang back together for one last job. It's one of those typical types of stories. It's a lot of fun seeing, like, rogues past their prime, getting together, and being kind of crappy at being super villains again but they decide they're going to go on this heist uh and uh at the end of the comic things get real there's a pretty fun little i don't want to say a twist but let's say like the ante gets raised i like that there's not even a mention of the flash let alone like an appearance by him um, it's fun. right because
1: they don't they don't exist in their world from their point of view to be the Flash's toil they're just exactly. bad guys they're just career the Flash criminals. happens to
0: thwart yeah and uh the art is really fun it's super pulpy um the color pattern reminds me of like it's very watchman esque. it's that like whatever eight color or whatever you see like a lot of light blue, yeah, yellows, little, purple, little dotties,
1: the little dots everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's really well done. The whole comic has a fun vibe of like pulp action, um, like an Ocean's Eleven type thing, but a little more brutal. So yeah, if you're on the fence, if you've got fond memories of uh, the Flash's Rogues Gallery, I, I highly encourage it. The second issue comes out next week. It's it's again, it's called Rogues on DC's Black Label. Very fun read. I can't.
1: I can't wait to see Ezra Miller as the Flash.
0: Oh, boy. I can.
1: That's a joke. Hopefully I it never want to comes out. I did see it out. beforehand. Yeah. That would be so funny. They get Michael Keaton back as Batman, and it doesn't come out because some freaking jabroni's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, well. That's real funny. So
0: here's the thing. Um, it sucks that the DC movies suck because I grew up a DC yeah. fan. So let's just focus on the comics because the comics are fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, I still prefer Marvel over DC overall, yeah. but. Yeah. At this point in my life, I'm probably buy more image books than anything else because I'm a I'm a smart comic reader, guys. Wow, that
1: is that is anti 2011, Dan, right there. Yeah. You are you you have become everything you hated.
0: <laughs> I mean, I still buy lots <laughs> of comics of people punching each other, though.
1: That's the I like getting punched.
0: Yeah, you do in the bedroom. Don't don't,
1: don't you dare kinkshave me. You just shaved me. As I was no, saying, I'm don't just acknowledging
0: me. that you like that. No cool that's
1: just no that's just where i prefer to get beat up just so when i fall down i'm like oh that's a pillow now i can go to sleep yeah
0: jeff stole a sign from planet fitness and put it over his bedroom door that says judgment free zone oh wow that's a sign at planet fitness probably <laughs> He stole another sign that said no lunks too
1: <laughs> there's another there's a third sign that says there's no dumbbells in here they're just my balls <laughs>
0: Jeff, what have you been talking yourself into this week? Well,
1: I'm talking myself into into a fun one. It's a quick one. It's a fun fun. And I could have sworn that I've talked about this before on Talk Me Into, but I was looking through all of my fun facts because I save them all in a file so I don't reuse them.
0: That was smart. Um, I, wish, I should have done that.
1: Yeah, and I've utilized it like twice, and this is one of the times. But I'm talking myself into a podcast uh, of a friend of mine and possibly yours. Uh, That I've listened to a couple times before, but not really. It's called Power Playthrough. It is hosted by Dan McNerney, uh, who used to be on a podcast of ours way back in the day. Mm. Uh, And he lives out in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, And it's a a fun way to uh, keep up with friends that you don't really talk to or see a lot of... uh, um, but it's a, it's a Power Rangers podcast. Yeah, so I've heard about he, this. I when he first listened. came out with it, uh, it's him and a guy named Freddy. Uh, you know, I listen to it. I'm like, yeah, Freddy Krueger, you're right. The only Freddy <laughs> in the world is Freddy Krueger. You got it, dude. Freddy Mac is the third host. You beat me to it. Um but I don't know a lot about Power Rangers, but I always thought, especially hosting, I, I've had over like 500 episodes of podcasts total in my entire life out there. Wow. What and a humble brag. What a ve- I'm so cool, guys. I'm <laughs> basically Joe Rogan at this point. Yeah. Oh. Um, And, you know, I I know that people we know listen to the show, not like everybody, but I always wonder, like, if I had friends that had podcasts, I would listen to every single episode, even if I hate the people that if, or even if it's people I know, if somebody I worked with was like, I have a podcast about uh, the Cincinnati Reds, I'd be like, I'm listening to every goddamn episode of that podcast, just because it's somebody, you know, I don't know. Um, But (laughs) what I've actually been binging this show lately because pretty much the, f- the beginning of the show, kind of like us, we just, we get to the topic later. Um, They just kind of BS about things and it's things that I'm interested in mostly like food and beverages mm-hmm. and like scatological humor. And also I know him personally. So like, I like, I like it. Yeah. Um, but I, even if you don't like power Rangers, I sometimes if I'm like busy or like, cleaning the kitchen or taking a shower or whatever it's in the background I'll just listen to it and it's still entertaining I don't know what the hell they're talking about Mm. 90% of the time but definitely just listen to like the first halves of the episodes even like I'll their descriptions are great they're like we talk about a chicken bacon sandwich at Wendy's and I'm like I'm gonna listen to this episode (laughs) next
0: you're like that's got Jeff (laughs) written all over it
1: yeah and, and like I'll just go by the descriptions just go through they have a lot of episodes I've been doing it for several years and it it's a it's a fun podcast to listen to. Power
0: playthrough. That's cool. I've actually never had a conversation with Dan. He's like, in the truest really? meaning of this of the phrase, he's a friend of a friend. Like he's friends with you. He's friends with Ian. But
1: oh yeah, because the timing. Because you yeah. quit the podcast, and then he got. So you've never talked to him or met him. You've been at like a con. Because no. he came to New York a couple times. Maybe
0: I did before I really like knew who he was, but. I've never had like a meaningful conversation with him, but seems like a nice dude. I'd, I'll uh, check that out. Here's some uh, people talking about chicken bacon ranch.
1: Yeah, that was that was a good conversation. And I want <laughs> to talk episode. back. I want to be like, I agree with you. Or like if they have a question, I'm like, yes, I am jumping in here because this. I'm on this podcast also. Right. This is <laughs> just three friends talking. But that's when you and cross like, the line oh, not... and you become
0: a crazy person.
1: That's when you cross the line and you just email podcasts all the time trying to get on like 10-year-old Thai boys.
0: Truer words have never been spoken, my friend.
1: (laughs) I am now 11
0: years old. He's somewhere in Thailand. He is so mad right now.
1: (laughs) I listen to every episode. Please let me be on your show. Summer 2020. I'm go. starting it because Dan hates when I say that. Uh, <laughs> um, in In the summer of the year 2020, I'm sorry, 2019. Wow, what a goof! What a what a goof bag I am, huh? Summer of 2019, IDW announced that they were releasing a Ninja Turtles miniseries. It was very cryptic. the The full page ad, or whatever you call it, a one sheet. was just like a black page with white text. It said, "The Last Ronin." Peter Laird, Kevin Eastman, and the creative team. And they're like, for the first time in 20 years, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman are working on a Ninja Turtles story. And I was like, I just released all of the fluid from my lower part of my body. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and that's kind of all we knew for a little while. Um, and then it was supposed to come out, I want to say, like June 2020. Uh, and then we start getting into some problems, which uh, is a big part of the story. A big part of the story is delays. And I think it does affect how um, the story is enjoyed as well. Um, But we didn't know much about the actual story. We just knew it was coming out. It was going to be the special like maxi length and size. It's the the original size of the original four issues of Ninja Turtles, which were kind of like weird because at the time, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, they just like went to some printer and they, whatever they could afford, they paid this guy to just print like the, the, Crappy quality comics that came out, so it's an homage to the early days of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then we find out shortly after that it is it's a new story, but it's based on a story that Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman were spitballing years ago, the late eighties, early nineties, maybe. I don't know the exact timing of it, um, but that that's our introduction to the Last Ronin. Well, it wasn't uh, just
0: it wasn't just a based on an old story it was based on laird and eastman's idea of how the ninja turtles could end basically right
1: yeah because i mean at that time we talked about it in our comics issue they're just kind of going by the seat of their pants there was no real continuity um for a good bit of it um but issue to issue maybe but they didn't have a plan they didn't know it was going to be a thing they didn't think it was going to stick um yeah. so
0: well so a little side tangent uh, this feels like something that friends would do back in the day like they're like probably pretty early on in the Ninja Turtles saga maybe like just experiencing early success and they're like hey wouldn't it be cool if one day this stuff happened and that's how we ended it Very much oh, for sure how our group of friends one of them created a comic book series and mapped it out all the way to the end before he ever wrote or published a single page. Tatanka Force? Yes, Tatanka Force.
1: <laughs> That's a story for another day.
0: But Jeff, um, as you mentioned, yeah. the first issue was released October 28, 2020. It's based yes. on a concept by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. But I, th- I think we can probably wager that a lot of the heavy lifting was done by Tom Waltz, who was the writer on the first hundred issues of the IDW series. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I 100% agree with that.
1: Um, and we're... <sighs> I'm trying to figure out how to talk about this, like in what order, because the series overall is marred by, I want to say drama inside. I don't know exactly what the drama is, but there was drama there because for a five issue series that you're promoting, like this is a big event kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And with comics, like, there's 127 issues of Ninja Turtles in the main line that have come out every single month. Maybe COVID interrupted that a little. I'm not quite sure because I wasn't reading regularly a couple years ago. Um, but you have that. And for the most part of that release, you've had at least one issue of a mini series also coming out every single month. So you have about 250 single issues of Ninja Turtles that come out, and they came out on time for 11 years. <laughs> And then you have this, which is five issues, which was already advertised a year before it was supposed issue. One was supposed to come out and it's taken, it took a year for four issues to come out. And then another six months for the fifth issue to come out. There were artist changes. There were, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I mean, I know there are supply chain issues. There's paper issues, but that also did not affect the main series or other comic series there's a million comic series from a thousand different publishers that were all affected in some way but still came out sooner than five months late yeah um so there there is a lot of negative to this which does play into the enjoyment of it um maybe when all is said and done in 10 years if somebody finds this for the first time and they sit down and read it all at once they might have a different experience but even in that case when you have something like this I, it should feel cohesive and unfortunately to me this is spoiler free right now it doesn't because of the artist changes
0: well we're going to get I into that in more depth but yeah, i will say we will uh, i will say just to touch on my experience so i purchased i did not i was kind of out of comics and out of ninja turtles when this started so i did not hear about it early i literally just saw it show up on the shelf one day so I bought these as they came out, and I read the first issue. But when I found out that there was going to be delays, I stopped reading. And then, literally last night, I read all five issues. So I think I had a very right. different experience than you did.
1: I was I was going to ask you about that and get into it, but also it for me, I would have done that, but it, the spoilers were inescapable. Like,
0: well, you're tapped the into ser- Ninja Turtles. I am nerd, yeah. dumb. No, I'm not I, really. I,
1: I am, but there's still not many spoilers with anything. Like, you know, big things like Donatello dies, you know, seven years ago. That's a big thing. It's a news story. There's a fifth turtle. It's in the news. Those things are hard to do, but like um but this was like you just go I just go on to social media and you know there's spoil issue four was a, a big issue. Um I think. I think issue four is probably the best in the series. Um, and you just, you couldn't go on the internet in my world. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: and not be spoiled. I very it. much could. <laughs> I wasn't spoiled for, with anything. <laughs>
1: okay. So spoiler free review before we get into, or spoiler. Well, just want to jump before back before because it.
0: I just want to jump back a little bit because I did happen to read something that you were referencing earlier that I think is kind of cool. We talked about how this was an original outline back in the day and then it got, you know, pushed up to now they're releasing it. Um, so I actually found out details on that. Eastman and Laird outlined this story in 1987, and it was supposed to take place in 2017, which is funny. 30 years oh, wow. later. Uh, but obviously they did not foresee the Ninja Turtles like having a new series that ran this long and stuff. So they right. basically revised it to say that this storyline takes place a- approximately in 2040.
1: Right. And, I mean, Turtles live for a very long time, so it's <laughs> – it's very plausible that this could happen. But the story um I mean if you're listening to this and you want to and you haven't read it and you want to be spoiled, go ahead. Um but the the story is that there's one one ninja turtle left. Right. And um, this this and, section
0: what you're saying is spoiler free. We're going to spoil spoiler it. Spoiler free. Yeah. yeah.
1: One ninja turtle left and he is on a quest to uh avenge his fallen brothers.
0: Is basically yeah.
1: Yeah, is basically the uh, Ant Splinter,
0: uh, the entire story. Yep. We get a lot of fun fun guest appearances and callbacks to to stuff, Easter eggs for Turtles fans, but it's a pretty simple, straightforward revenge tale.
1: Why don't we get into spoilers, then? Why don't we just go into this? Let's do it, Jeff. Um, You know, we're not... I did not reread the last four issues before I read this one. So, you know, I've read them as they came out over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what issue things happened in. We're not giving like a full breakdown review of the entire thing. I kind of mostly wanted to focus on the last issue just because it's in the zeitgeist, but you know, we can, we can go over things briefly. Dan, you just read it last night, I believe. Mm -hmm. So why don't you just kick it off and, and kind of guide it and I'll jump in
0: with, my opinions, yeah, sure. So we're going to be spoiling issues one through five of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin. Uh, the first issue, pretty groundbreaking breaking stylistically. Um, it's basically a big old battle scene. It's uh, the Last Ronin, as Jeff referenced, the last remaining Ninja Turtle, um, seems to be on a suicide mission um, to avenge his fallen family. Um, there's a lot of crazy action sequences. He's trying to break into this like high rise um skyscraper that seems to be the head of like the foot clan and he's battling a lot of like robotic or cybernetic foot soldiers along the way um that's pretty much it at the end he comes face to face with um oroko hiroto who is the grandson of the shredder the son of of karai and um they basically have, like, a brief meeting, but uh, there's an explosion, and uh, the last ronin is launched out the window, falling Pew! seemingly to his death. Yeet. Uh, he's badly messed up. He goes back down to the sewer, and he's about to commit seppuku, um, which is, uh, like, a ritualistic suicide that was done in, like, samurai culture, ancient Japanese culture. And uh, at the last minute, I think he passes out... Um, Either way, it, it doesn't happen, and um, he wakes up in a bed um, surrounded by his what he thinks are his brothers, but that seems to be some sort of a dream state. They're ghosts. They're spooky. Yeah. They're spooky ghosts. He actually wakes up in a hospital bed, and next to him is a much older, much hardened-looking April O'Neil. And she addresses yeah. him as Michelangelo. So Michael, An- that's
1: the big that's the big spoiler because we didn't know who it was. Yep. I think that going through like th- that's fine. Any any of the turtles would have been fine for me. I, I think that they went this way because people have been like, but he's the party, dude. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's the most like jarring transition, I would say, because Raph, you could see him just doing this as Raphael at any point in his life. Um, yeah. (laughs) Leonardo, maybe Donatello, maybe, but Michelangelo, you can't see as much as that. I think as you get towards the end of the series, it kind of doesn't matter. I don't think the Michelangelo-ness shines through. I don't think that they did enough to show that juxtaposition of the jovial side that we all know to like, yeah, this is dark. This is gritty. We've seen RAF do stuff very similar. um, so it it wasn't really like it didn't need to be michelangelo it could have been any of them i don't I, think that they used that bit to their benefit
0: i agree that um i don't think they exploited the interesting fa- you know facet that this is the fun one enough um, there's moments where people comment on it like um as we'll talk about later on i think in this character in this issue we meet um april o'neil's daughter casey Um, Casey
1: Marie Jones named
0: after her father. And she basically says like, weren't you supposed to be the fun one? Um, but other than that, I would have liked to see flashes of, you know, a reoccurring theme throughout this series is like Michelangelo interacting with the ghosts of his brothers. Yeah. At least in his head. And, um, I would like to see him in those moments kind of slip back into his personality, but there's not much of that. It seems to be all beaten out of him.
1: And also, uh, this issue was illustrated by Andy Kuhn, who was supposed to be, like, the main artist on the series. Something happened there. I don't know if it was, like, timing issues. There was some sort of drama that I, I don't know much about. Um, I remember when this series, when the IDW series was, re- was relaunched, he did the an early arc, like the, the Slash arc, and I kind of shit all over him on our last podcast. Um, I've grown to like his style a lot more. It's kind of like a... This is going to sound shitty, but it's like a lazy Mike Mignola. Um, (laughs) It's that kind of style, though. Um, It's hard to compare people to Mike Mignola just because he's so great. But also, I think in this issue, it was like I'm looking at the cover online right now. I don't have the physical issue in front of me. And it says Eastman, Laird, Waltz, Escorza, Delgado. He's not even on the cover. Like, I I think that they changed artists in this. Um, I know that they change artists during flashback scenes, which is fine. I'm totally cool. with that. Um yeah. but yeah, just it, it's just so jarring when you have this thing that you're spending 9 dollars an issue on, and you it takes you 7 months to come out with an issue and you just like just get it done. It's it's just wild to me that they can't get it done.
0: Yeah, I mean, all that aside as someone who read it in one chunk, I actually I did notice the change, but I was kind of happy with it because I actually prefer the art going forward over the original art. Um, yeah,
1: as do I, but I still, like, it just sucks that there's a little
0: bit of art that's not as great to start it off as what well. You know,
1: it's just, it's inconsistent.
0: Yeah. These two artists, I think, have a background with Kevin Eastman at Heavy Metal, is what I read. Oh, so, okay. So, as you said, maybe, like, there was issues, and these guys were called in as, like, sort of pinch hitters. Like, hey, I know these two artists, they can take care of this. Right. Um. So, the second issue... The Solicit basically said, secrets are revealed as we begin to discover what happened in the past to lead to this nightmarish future. The Ronin meets an unexpected new ally, ally, but the Foot Clan begins an exhaustive sweep of the bottom, which is sort of the section of New York City where the uh, resistance fighters are staying, to find the vengeful mutant. And what role does Baxter Stockman play? So, you know, Jeff, you said, like, we meet Casey Marie in this issue. Mm -hmm. Um, This is also the issue where we get the flashback about how the brothers started dying, which is kind of actually interesting because I expected it to be like one big battle royale and it's really not.
1: No, it's all separate stuff.
0: Yeah, so Raphael, like, kind of, like... I, this is kind of bittersweet to me because it's so apt this that this is how Raphael would die, but it's also sad because he really, like, learned nothing. Like, he gets mad because the Foot Clan, like, beat up and almost kill Master Splinter, and so he just charges off on his own and starts a big picks a big fight with Karai and she kills him and he puts her in a coma. She sure do and he sure she yeah they they do. Uh- <laughs> Would you think of Raphael's death sequence and like just that whole like section?
1: I I I'm trying to remember cuz it was so long ago. Um I don't remember the particulars. Well, I'll give you the I
0: background do... and this will refresh your memory. So they're fighting and they, they end up, like, falling out of a window into the Hudson, and they're mm-hmm. fighting underwater, and she, uh, caro- uh, they're, like, sort of finagling with their weapons underwater, and Raphael's trying to, like, stab her in the back with his sigh and while he's doing that, she, like, has actually pulled, you know, those, like, daggers that are shaped like triangles on the end of your fist? Yeah. she he, Raphael has one of those like on his thigh and she takes it off and like basically. Oh
1: yeah. 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 That was so cool.
0: Jams it up into his head from under his mouth. Into his like, neck. Uppercut. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it's brutal. Um, I love to see this kind of stuff in turtles and I know like this is the end so they can do whatever they want. I don't, you know, I'm not expecting to see like violent death, but like even on the cover of this issue, you have Michelangelo and he's got shurikens in his shoulders and there's red blood running down his shoulders. Um, it's just like heavily padded, like a Rob Phil drawing that doesn't
0: suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think overall the series is more graphic than I expected it to be, but I do have to admit, I wish, and it's not just because I'm like into gore or violence, but I wish Raphael's death scene was a little bit more graphic because I had to go back and reread it to realize that he died. Like the way it's drawn is odd, like I get that there was
1: there was a couple times throughout this whole series where I had to do that because I didn't quite understand what happened. The action didn't really flow that well um, yeah. even though it like looks cool, a lot of this a lot of the actions in this are pretty pretty easy to just like look at real quick and then skip through, um, even though these are bigger issues They're easier to get through.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, like, a lot of chaotic energy, which works well for scenes where, like, Michelangelo is charging through a crowd of foot soldiers and just demolishing them. Now... But m- we- maybe it's not as successful in, like, a one-on-one, very emotional, dramatic battle. Because in the last issue, I had big problems with that type of fight as well.
1: Was this the issue where Fugitoid shows up, or was that the next one?
0: Uh, let me look. The I battle... Have it next I time. guess it doesn't really matter. No. Um well, this but, is like, the when, first issue where we get, going we get a Kevin Eastman drawn flashback. So that was interesting. And, yeah, Fugitoid shows up at the very last page. April O'Neil right. unlocks a safe and pulls out Fugitoid's head.
1: His head, yeah. So the next issue is when he kind of, like, I mean, we're jumping all around here. Dan, it doesn't matter. Is when he sacrifices himself and blows up to kill Baxter.
0: I think that's actually issue four. Um, not positive. Oh, was it? Hmm. I'm oh, well, trying to remember how remember it's broken up, but um
1: yeah, I mean And I have I have the world's worst internet, so I've been reloading a page for like six <laughs> minutes. It just
0: doesn't load. Um but I, I did want to touch on a little bit before we move on because it becomes a ongoing thing, is these flashbacks that are illustrated by Kevin Eastman and they're in black and white and it's sort of meant to fill in what Michelangelo's been doing since, you know, the Turtles died. Um, yeah, I did I did really like those flashbacks. I really like them too, stylistically. I just I have to admit, I'm not the biggest fan of Kevin Eastman's art. I find it hard to follow. It's all like just sort of mushy to me.
1: I have fallen out of love with it as much as I was over the years. Um just because it's like I think that I like it more for nostalgia reasons and it being actually good. Because there's some covers he does that are like really cool, and then there's some that are really really bad like there's an issue of IDW when it's like a close-up of Al pex's face and it's some of the worst art I've seen on a comic book cover ever hmm. uh and yeah like when he does actual you know the the storytelling in comic form what's it called like uh you know
0: what I mean there's uh, a, there's yeah, a I don't know the word you're looking for but um, when he does
1: that it's clunky and kind of just hard to follow. So, yeah, I, I think when he dials back, he's better.
0: I, I just had a hard time following, like, definition between the character and the background. Everything just kind of looked like the same. I mean, it's just an artistic complaint. I like the idea of going to him for those moments and, like, setting right. those moments apart from the rest of the series.
1: Well, that's why when him and Peter Laird worked together, they did well because Peter Laird is a lot crisper and smoother. So he he brought a lot more, like, you know... I don't know, niceness to it, whereas
0: Kevin Eastman is a lot harsher. So, Jeff, um, you were actually right. Issue three is the big uh, issue where um, basically they have to take down Baxter Stockman because um, if Baxter Stockman is still alive and all of his machines and robots are working, they're never going to be able to get to uh, Oroku, whatever his name is.
1: Haratu Oroku I believe yeah
0: um or Oroku haratu so like um Michelangelo has allied himself with this resistance group that April O'Neill and and Casey Marie uh Jones are sort of like the leads of and it it ends this it ends up with this like sort of Battle of Normandy beach assault of Baxter Stockman's island which I think is a real island like ro- ro- right Roosevelt Island I think
1: Roosevelt Island is real yeah yeah so it's interesting. In, in the
0: main series, it's Burnow Island after the editor, but Roosevelt Island is a real island. What did you think of this issue, which was basically just a big, huge battle gone on? It was a awry. big fight scene. Yeah. But it's I also mean, like I... it's a failed battle. Like the planning all goes to yeah. shit <laughs> yeah. and they barely make it out alive.
1: I thought it was fun. Um, like I said, I do want to reread all of this together. I just did not have time before this podcast, but I think that sitting squarely in the middle of the five issue arc. It's it's probably placed pretty well. Like it's just a, a nice burst of action. Like it starts out with some action, and then it slows down a little bit. You get backstory, some flashbacks, and this kind of builds it up a little bit and builds that tension up. And like this could go any way. You don't know what's going to happen. Like this this isn't a main series. It's not going to continue forever. Literally anything can happen, which is why
0: I like stories like this. Yeah. Um. I got a little bit of a hot take for you here, Jeff. Oh, I'm listening. So I I love this issue as well, but I have a feeling that one thing we didn't talk about besides the delays is this book changed from the original intent, intent was, I believe, to be a three issue miniseries. And then it got pushed all the way up to a five issue. And I think I
1: think it was I think it was four. It did get it went from like four to six to five, something like that. They did change it, but I don't think it was ever three.
0: Well, either way, I could be wrong. I I have I have a strong feeling that if it had been shorter than five issues, this sequence would have been the battle of uh, with Horoku Horato. i sorry. I'm horrible with his name, but you're not great. I think there's I think that this would have been one big battle and that. Probably instead of Baxter Stockman at the end, Baxter Stockman would have been, like, in the middle, and then they would have gotten to Oroku at the end because...
1: Yeah, I I, I don't see how that is far-fetched at all. Um, you know, this, this entire... the creation of this series is just
0: marred from the start. It just seems odd to me that this battle... Is so well planned. Like obviously, like I don't mean in story. In story, the battle's not well planned and it falls apart. Correct. But it it reads very much like a World War II movie, and that you understand where all the main players are, what their goals to accomplish are, whether they you know succeed or fail those goals. Whereas the last battle in issue five is fun because it's Michelangelo like busting up a bunch of robots, but it doesn't seem as climactic as. this one.
1: No, you're correct there. It doesn't seem... Yeah. The last issue is not <laughs> not my favorite issue of the series. Yeah. <clears throat> but my favorite issue of the series is issue four. Um, you get the backstory of how um, Donatello and Splinter die. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, it's got feels, man. It's emotional.
0: Yeah. This hurt your insides, Jeff?
1: It did, and the art was uh done by somebody different who I would pull up if my internet
0: worked. <laughs> um uh, I have it right here.
1: I think it's is it Ben Bishop?
0: He's on it, but um the pencils and the inks were also done by Isao and Isaac Escorza. So Yeah,
1: they've they've been doing it. I think Ben Bishop did the flashbacks. But yeah, they're just like they stroll into like this. This town, and they're you know they're just trying to stop the baddies
0: and they get killed very badly. You talking about um, Splinter and Donatello? Yeah, 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 I mean, uh they uh they kind of fall for a pretty easily like I don't know really why they did this. I guess they went to a parlay, but they I, they I... fell into a very like avoidable trap.
1: Do you think that they, they knew it was going to happen and they just tried? Like, they're like, this is our last chance. We might as well just go out and try to do what we can do?
0: No, it's odd to me because, like, Splinter and Donatello went to Japan to be with, like... Japan 4. Yeah. To, to join up with the Yoshi clan, which I guess is a thing that was supposed to happen in the original series. I don't know that it ever did. Like, they still have an active clan in Japan. I don't know, but... Um, and they're going to like parlay with the foot clan and try to make a piece, but also, um, yeah, at the same time is when, um, Casey Jones, Leonardo, April and Michelangelo are in New York fighting, um, I guess Karai, I think, or no, Karai was yeah. already in Nicoma. The they were fighting, the, uh, the foot Oroku who was like younger. It was like his, he had just risen to power and, uh, so, yeah, it's odd to me. Um, I guess, like, the thing that Splinter kept saying is, like, if there's a chance for peace, we must take it. And, like, great. But also don't, like, walk into an ancient burial ground with just you and your turtle son and, like, two guys as backup. <laughs> and then, like, the entire Foot Clan, like, rolls up. And, and they're like, oh, oh, send to the Hama- the Yoshi Clan for backup. And by the time the backup arrives, like, they're all already dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're not analyzing war tactics, Dan. We're just trying to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, supposed to. It's supposed to be emotional, and the, I I think they should have spent more of this issue on that. Um, but they I guess didn't. I was
0: just a little let down because as much as it was sad, the Raphael death felt so rooted in character, and this one was yeah, just like, that's true. How do how do Splinter and Donatello die? Oh, I guess they were trying to do this. I don't know. Yeah, I even like actually how Leonardo goes down with Casey Jones because he's like commanding this like battle and he's like, oh, yeah, they just get like mauled. Well, Baxter Stockman has uh, created an army of like flying laser exploding mousers and there's just like a million of them. So, yeah, that was to me that worked better in this issue than the splinter stuff, even though that was sad.
1: Uh, And then we get to the last issue that just came out. And I, I want to
0: jump in real quick with one other thing because I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know
1: you're a honeycut guy, right? you're a love Honeycutt. yeah, he's a great character. I'm looking at a figure right
0: now, yeah, He's sitting on my desk. I think even though he had a big effect on this series, I was kind of disappointed like they used him. yeah, yeah he was he's just, basically a plot was, device. does he yeah. even have a line? like does he even say anything?
1: I believe so, yeah, I don't think much, but it, it's his decision to blow up,
0: I believe, right. Well, he, like, sends his nanobots, which I guess is, like, his essence, into Baxter Stockman's, like, robots and, like, shuts them all down. So, like, none of this could have happened without him, but also, like, there's nothing of his character in this, which is disappointing.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a big problem throughout the series. Cause like I said, like it doesn't feel like Michelangelo has evolved or devolved or grew into who he is now. It just feels like a generic turtle. Um, who's just angry and wants revenge, which is fine. Um, I don't hate it. Um, and then this issue, the, the closing issue, uh, Hiroto is, he's in a bad place right now. <laughs> He's got no power. He's got uh not a lot of defenses and Michelangelo basically just storms off to go after him against the advice of April and Casey. And because the power went out, April's lair starts to like flood. Um so that becomes a problem. Seems
0: like something they may have may, should maybe have like foreseen happening. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's one one of the dumbest things in this entire series. Maybe it's just cuz I read it uh Last night and I I don't remember other dumb things, but when uh, it was like a three panel exchange between April and Casey when she's like, I'm a mutant and April's yeah. like, I didn't want to tell you, but me and your dad have been around exposed to mutagen that you're part mutant. And I was like, that's kind of dumb and then I'm thinking like okay they'll show something where she's like powerful or she does something and then she go like April's missing um, she thinks she gets flooded out so she like dives in the water to try to go save her and I was like she's gonna be able to save her because she has like turtle breathing powers yeah. underwater and then she just like almost dies <laughs> and April has to save her I'm
0: like why you bring up your mutant when you've done absolutely nothing mutant like at all so I'll agree and disagree first of all like primarily I agree that it's really dumb and it's for no reason. Um, I have a theory that maybe they were going to at one point try to explain why like April and Casey Marie are like still alive when if you actually do the math, the guy they're fighting is like the grandson of the guy they were fighting before. So maybe they were trying to like finagle old age, and they there is some foreshadowing. Well, like,
1: Naruto de- could be the same age as Casey Marie. That would make sense, or just even a little bit older, it would still make sense. But Karai could have had a baby just before Casey and April did. But ten years ago, he
0: was named the head of the Foot Clan as an adult, dude. King Toot in Common. He was an adult, wasn't an adult, but here's what I will say. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. When you reread, you will realize that they actually did foreshadow this, but it's not, like, in a cool way. They just show, like, the first time Michelangelo fights her or, like, spars with her to prove that she's not ready to, like, be a ninja, she, like, gets mad and punches a hole in a brick wall.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, she I thought just thought she was a good fighter. I do remember that. Like, that's why he was training her and became her sensei. No, there's even which a is conversation
0: another... with, with, between Michelangelo and April in an earlier issue where he's like, something's different about her or something like that. Oh. But uh, I do well, agree with you that there's no reason for it. It never no. comes into play.
1: I do like the dynamic between them and going into this issue waiting four, six, seven months, however long it was. The cover of the issue is very Batman and Robin-esque. Yeah. It's Michelangelo and Casey, you know, posing and jumping into action. Leaping in they front of don't, the moon. They don't do that in this issue at all. Um, they actually spend most them, of like, the issue apart. The yeah, exactly. They're she finds spoiler alert she finds him as he's dying um but the the battle of michelangelo fighting his way to the top of the tower and uh finally getting to roko hiroto and when michelangelo is basically just like uh you know because karai's there in suspended animation when he threatened that and then <laughs> hiroto just punches through the glass chamber and kills her yeah that's pretty savage yeah um,
0: I I, I want to say I've been waiting to talk about this because I'm conflicted, but there's moments in this series where I think Oroku Harato is a cool villain, but overall I wish there was more of a connection to existing legacy villains in this. Well, Karai is, but she doesn't do it. Exactly.
1: Um, yeah, no, I don't think Hiroto is cool at all. I'm not never I'm not going to remember this villain. Nobody's yeah. going to remember him outside of this. There's uh, a moment series.
0: in issue 4 where he looks kind of badass when everything is going wrong for him and he's like perched atop his building and he's like wearing a tattered cape and he's screaming about how he's a god and stuff. Where I, that's like how that issue ends and I was like stoked. And then the next issue he's in this really horrible chrome like so, Neo Shredder so, uniform.
1: This is so 90s and yep. so heavy metal and so Kevin Eastman and so old guys trying to be edgy yep. that I, I hated it. I, when I saw the shredder outfit, like the, the pseudo T 2000, just like liquid garbage. Metal. Oh my god! It was so dumb. And then Michelangelo trying to find a weak spot—like we've seen that in so many different things. It's—it wasn't cool. It didn't look good. So here's the thing: it was just so dumb.
0: A lot changed throughout the making of the series, but I feel very strongly that
1: that was in there in the beginning, exactly, one hundred percent. And if
0: this was published in 1987, would be like radical because this was like before the T1000. Oh
1: yeah, I don't think it was. I think that. It was probably definitely inspired by uh, by Terminator, maybe, um, but or or uh, Alex Mack, you know the the <laughs> commercials really inspired this. Growing up,
0: either way, um, not only was it visually bad, but like his whole death scene like made no sense. This is another one where I had no, to completely no, reread as, it.
1: As they were fighting, I was like, "They're going to both kill each other, yeah, um, and they're both going to die." And it happened, but it was like... Do you even have a strong grasp of how it happened? No, no, not at all. I I know that he, like, stabbed Michelangelo, but I don't even I read it last night, and I don't remember. I do have it in front of me. I'll pull it up.
0: I thought I had it figured out, and this is what I thought. And then I went online and read people's interpretations, and it was completely different. So... A lot of times throughout this miniseries, we see Michelangelo utilize EMPs to take out mousers and stuff. So that's what I thought at first.
1: But then I thought it was him overloading his suit, thinking he could
0: survive. But then I thought it was lightning. I don't know. So I thought that Michelangelo purposely led him into the water and then set off an EMP, which electrocuted both of them. But then turns out, no, you were actually right. That like... Her, uh Oroku Haratu Haratu like overloaded his suit, and it created like an electrical charge or an explosion. Yeah, because he or grabs something.
1: his own chest and like screams. Yeah, and it booms. And then they're they're fighting in a, a duty pool. They're just covered in uh-uhs. Yeah, um, just a very odd it,
0: decision from a guy who's ranting it, and raving about being a god, and then he kills himself. They call it mud,
1: but they came out of the sewer and <laughs> yeah, butt mud. it could have just been water. And we would have been like, oh, yeah, it's just a runoff. But no, they're fighting in duty. Um, and then, yeah, Hiroto just like goes face down in the mud. And then Michelangelo's like, huh, some God. And then Mikey just like passes out and F-ing, sorry, Jeff, I'm not going to get that swear. So you just heard <laughs> that. Um
0: I, I do like the little, like, denouement – well, before we get to that, the epilogue, I do like the ending of um, when Casey Jones comes to be with him. You know, they did a good yeah. job of building a relationship between the two of them and establishing, like, the whole thing of, like, her calling him sensei and how he's teaching her from Splinter's journal. And I like the little, like, another Terminator 2 thing is, like, no peace became, like, no peace, like, K-N-O-W. ah
1: Aw. So, after he dies, there's two pages uh, before the end of Michelangelo waking up.
0: Um, What were your initial thoughts on this? You know, I'm kind of torn on this because um, I had sort of two different thoughts uh, based on while I was reading versus after I was reading. Same. My first response was... Oh, it's like heaven, like they're dead and they're in heaven and, and all this stuff, and they're together. But then as you continue reading in the epilogue, you find out that um, April and Casey have been mutating by choice uh, for new turtles. And since we know from the IDW comic that like um, reincarnation, or at least spiritual reincarnation, is a very real thing in this universe, are they coming back in these new turtles?
1: No, so I I had the same thoughts, but not in that order. When I first turned the page, and it's it's kind of like foggy and dreamy, and I was like, this is really sweet. He's in heaven. He's reunited with his family. It's the
0: end of Return and of then, the King when Frodo wakes up in bed. And yeah, Frodo. yeah.
1: And I'm like, did they? But then the more they were talking, I was like, did they just Wizard of Oz and Roseanne this shit? Like, Oh, you think was this, this whole thing just was a dream? dream? I So these two pages, I was going back and forth, and I had no idea. And then I turn the page and it's the epilogue. And then then you see that they have these four turtles. And I don't know if they're, you can, they've done this many times before. This is the first time. This excited me because this is kind of what I would like to see moving forward. I have absolutely no faith that we'll see anything else after this no, issue. No, this is the end. But it does say to be continued. It doesn't say the end. So the To Be Continued has me feeling like, you know, since the turtles age quicker because of the mutagen, that we'll see four different turtles with Casey Marie. And that's cool. I like that they would go that route um, if they do. Yeah. If they're brave enough to do it. I don't think they are brave enough to do it if they do it at all. Um, It definitely won't be... I just I would just like a normal, regular, non event miniseries. Just give us six issues of that, see what
0: happens. I don't know. It's kinda it's interesting, but I don't know if there's enough to this world to call for another story. Like they defeated the big bad, the guy who's controlling New York City, so what happens next? I don't know. But also, like, I wanna take back my theory because now just looking at it, I totally forgot that in that dream sequence they actually see splinter and casey jones so it's definitely like yeah. a death thing oh you think it's heaven i think so or i well it's afterlife. definitely not reincarnation because i i initially was thinking it was just no i don't think it is
1: no i think that that was just to set up a potential new turtles team that are not the four that we know
0: yeah i don't like that they wrote to be continued even if they decide to make something else out of it it feels like a very nice ending like first of all i think it's like highly messed up that they would choose to mutate four turtles. Like, I don't think that's a natural thing that should happen, especially in the context of the IDW series. When we find out that they are the reincarnated souls of these murdered family. Like who knows if these turtles that you're turning into humanoid monsters are going to have souls. Yeah, that's true.
1: Um, So, I mean, I don't know. It was five issues. Um, I read them over the course of 15 and a half years. Uh, (laughs) I might go back. I am going to reread them shortly. Probably when they have a collected version, I'll just like download it or something. I
0: have the issues, but I think you should because I think I enjoyed it more than you did.
1: Yeah, as they were coming out, I enjoyed every single issue that I read. I think I'm just disappointed
0: overall. Um, well, it's also tough to like wait like six months when the exactly. entire issue you just read is just like a fight scene. Um, yeah, for that's sure. That's cool if you can immediately pick up the next issue, but if you have to wait like months and months to find out what happens next, it's kind of lame.
1: Yeah, which this format of comic books—that's what it is. So that's part of the thrill um reading it is fine i can read it whenever i want now and it's going to be enjoyable but yeah that, that's definitely part of the thrill
0: well i mean so it, it feels like this should have been uh like a hard cover but honestly it's a cash grab because they made
1: nine dollars an issue yeah it's one thousand percent a cash
0: grab and all the different variant covers and reprints and i told you like off Dude, mic so many they were doing very strange love them. They were doing very strange collectors, uh, collected editions of, like, the first three of them, which, like, why would you I, ever buy I that?
1: did buy the director's cut of issue one, but yeah, that's, that's because cool. I, I like that kind of stuff. But, like, you were saying, like, they collected the first three issues for some reason. Yeah,
0: and then I think they also collected the first four, and I was like, you're an absolute psychopath if you buy that. <laughs> but, no, like, but so obviously they made all that money. Like, they would have to charge, like, $70 for the hardcover of this just to recoup that. And, like, that's never going to happen. So they'll do all these individual series no matter how long it takes and how many times it falls behind. And then they'll release a collected edition.
1: Yeah. No, I I have no faith in a publication of any sort with this title moving forward. But I think that I don't have any final thoughts to say before I ask the question. Do you? I don't think so. All right. So, Dan... And Jeff, Jeff, were well, yeah, were we talked into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin? One, two, three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did like it. I do have a lot of gripes with it, and those I will stand by. And some of them <laughs> I voiced online, not knowing that, like people involved in this series, like Ben Bishop, would comment <laughs> on it. Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. I was shitting all over, just like, oh, it's not even as good as everybody says. And uh, everything I've said in this podcast that I believe in, and they're like, it's actually a really good story. It takes a lot of work. And I'm like, whoa, I like your work. I'm not even going to reply to this. You but, immediately,
0: like, like, backpedaled? It was so great.
1: No, I didn't. Actually, if I could find that, I would I would show you, Dan. I doubled down. <laughs> I was just like, I like the story, but I'm sticking to what I just said, and it should not take this long to come out. Um, and I think... You're I like, there was another
0: artist. I'm too. a heterosexual white male in my 30s. I should be able to go on social media and bitch about work that I don't do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what reviewing things is. Dan. Hashtag That's comics is. gate. Right, Jeff. Right. Right. Right? right. everyone. Jeff's into right? it. Right, Alt oh, right. Um, God, No, I'm I'm I enjoyed it. And with that little to be continued, yeah, even if they don't do anything, it makes your mind think. It made I wouldn't have thought that, but now like you know, you fill these things in in your head, and it's fun.
0: Yeah, I think it works really well as one piece. Um, like I, I'm so glad I waited and read it all at once. Uh, I think I would be very frustrated if I had to wait a long time between issues of this.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I read them when they came out because I was part of the conversation in social media. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I did to get that. to experience it that way. Um, all right, yeah. So next week we're continuing Ninja Turtles Month. We kind of did this in a funky order just because we're recording this the day after Last Ronin came out. Um, so I think um, next week we're getting back on track. It's going to be Ninja Turtles Animated Movies. Right? Yeah. That, that episode didn't come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not
0: looking at anything. I'm just going off of
1: the top of my head. Same, bro. In the meantime, Dan, where can people find the podcasts
0: online? Uh, you can find us on all your favorite podcast apps uh, by looking up Talk Me Into. We're on Twitter at Talk Me Into, Instagram at Talk Me Into Pod, and TikTok at Talk Me Into. The best way to find us, though, is on patreon.com slash Talk Me Into. Where you can get exclusive episodes early access to our so discussions videos and lots more fun content like our notes that we take um, exclusive merchandise all that cool stuff so patreon.com talkmeinto into is the place to go jeff where can people find you
1: people could find me on twitter at jefffff 27 It's jeff with five f's number 27 i'm on instagram you could find me there. I don't say my name anymore, but my thing isn't private anymore. I changed it and stuff when I had a baby, but I never
0: post her face. So, so it's like know. a scavenger hunt. Find Jeff if you dare. Yeah,
1: you can find me, and you know, find us on YouTube. Dan mentioned so discussions every Thursday. New episodes dropping. They're fun. You get to see us interact. You get cool. to see Jimmy's beautiful editing and uh, Keith's beautiful
0: filmography, <laughs> camera work. <laughs> I don't know what the words are.
1: Words. Dan, where can people find you on socials?
0: Um, You can find me on Twitter at Danny underscore Breakdown. And check out my band, Disqualifier, wherever you listen to punk rocks. And also check out Jimmy. He's on all social media. Check him
1: out. He's not, Dan. He's well, literally not. Jeff, here's the thing. He's been sneaking his way back. He does. He does. I send stuff to you guys in a group chat, and every now and then he'll like one. I'm like, this little guy. He gets Sneaking it. in.
0: So he's uh, he's, he's everywhere. He's like,
1: <laughs> he's like, I'm not on social media. I'm just on TikTok.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm on TikTok. Oh, he's fully back on Twitter, too. He even admitted that. Uh, yeah. S-O-N-N-A-V-A-F-I-T-C-H. And also find him. On YouTube, I think it's the same, right? Son of a Fitch? Yeah. Yeah. S-O-N-N-A-V-A. Oh, I did that in a weird rhythm. Um, F-I-T-C-H. S-O-N-N-A-V-A-T-I-C-H. It's like when people used to give you their telephone number in, like, messed up order. They'd be like,
1: Oh, dude, are you about to quote a Kevin James joke?
0: I don't know. Was that a thing?
1: Yeah, that's, like, one of the only jokes from Kevin James that I remember. Because it was kind of funny when I heard it 20 years ago. I mean, people have called me the Kevin James of podcasts. I called you the Kevin James of my heart because I <laughs> fucking
0: hate you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Paul Blart Mall <laughs>